You're listening to the GameStrategy.biz microcast, recorded on Thursday, the 29th of June, 2023. I'm James Batchelor, and joining me this morning is... It's Christopher Dring. Hey! It's Christopher Dring, back from LA. How are you doing? I am, I am. Well, I've been back a while, but obviously this is my first podcast appearance since then, and um, I have lots of thoughts, but I think you've already given your thoughts on those things, so... It's a microcast. It's got to be about what's going on. What's going on? Nothing's going on, right? Nothing. Nothing's going Nothing. on. Nothing's going on at all. Apart from this small court case over in America. Um, Federal Trade Commission versus Microsoft. So, oh, good Lord, where do we even start? Let's start with the fact that this isn't, isn't technically to block Microsoft's pro, um, proposed mm. acquisition of Activision Blizzard. The FTC already issued a legal challenge back in December... They've scheduled a hearing in August. They believed, because they read in press reports, that Microsoft and Activision were going to close the deal at end of June, end of July anyway, regardless of the fact that FTC still had this hearing scheduled. And they requested from the courts a temporary block and a preliminary injunction, which I think a preliminary injunction, I'm not the mo- I'm not a legal expert, but it's basically also a temporary block. They've been granted the temporary block until this preliminary injunction hearing is uh, finished. And this hearing is to decide whether or not Microsoft and Activision should be blocked from completing their deal before the FTC thing in August. Not to block it completely. But I think I think both sides are kind of using it as kind of a, a practice round for that hearing to kind of start getting their arguments out there and so forth. Well, Microsoft's document was quite interesting. I haven't verified what they said, but they, they point out the FTC, apparently, if they lose an injunction case, they've never actually proceeded to the main case. Um, ah. So that, 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 at least that's what I read. And then there was another bit where it said, you know, if an injunction is put in place and it's sort of relatively vague, because the FTC's case in August is ultimately, advi- you know, they, it's an advisory, uh, 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 whatever the decision is, whatever the courts cut, did agree to, it goes to some commissioner and commissioner has to review it and that could take 12 months. And if the injunction is on for that long, we could be, this could be, and then there might be an appeal and then it might, you know, we're talking about, we're talking years and that Microsoft thinks that, you know, Microsoft's suggestion, of course, they're, they're going to overstate um, their position is that an injunction could mean the deal just doesn't happen anyway. So in a way, this is, I feel like it's potentially more significant than just, um, it's technically what you said is true. It's, it's, it's technically just to an injunction until August, but it might be an injunction until next August. And it might be, you know, it's all this lot, there's a lot, there's a few elements to it. So it is a big deal. And look, they're all there. All the, um, all the execs are all there, you know, it's a, it's a, Wild oh, ride it's an all-star of... lineup. Yes, <laughs> it's an all-star lineup. We've had we've had Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft. We've had Phil Spencer, head of Xbox Gaming. We've had Jim Ryan in a pre-recorded position, head of PlayStation. We've had Bobby Kotick, head of um, Activision Blizzard. We've had someone from Stadia. We've had someone from Nvidia. Apparently, there's someone from Nintendo still on the on the on the way. More Microsoft execs. The frustrating thing I find about this whole process, and like I've been following this as, as much as I can, like. Um, if you go to GameCentry.biz, what we've been doing is, because we don't have a person in the courthouse, we've been kind of uh, rounding up all the coverage that's coming out and all the all the revelations and stuff. So we've been doing a roundup so you can just read in one place everything that has come out of this court case. But even if you read that, it doesn't give you any indication as to how this might go. Like, it doesn't feel like... So far, we are on day four. We've had day four. We're approaching day five of this hearing. And the hearing is only supposed to last a week. I believe, or at least that's how it was originally scheduled. Day four approaching five of hopefully around seven. 
and there is absolutely no indication as to whether or not this is gonna this is advancing the story as it were like yeah, they, it's a lot of the same arguments we've heard yeah, before the media's loving it because they're getting interested you know there's there's, there's things that they've said your know, switch isn't a competitor to playstation uh, which is not exactly what they said um and uh game pass is damaging to the industry and all this kind of stuff these wonderful new quotes around contentious points that gamers love to get toxic communities love to get really angry about and all the media you know had a bit of a tough time this year there's not been it's just um are going great traffic <laughs> <laughs> so uh it is and um, but the truth is i'm not seeing anything there's in a few like i've raised my eyebrows at a few statements i think bobby kotick said yesterday that not releasing call of duty on switch was a mistake and I don't, I don't disagree with him. Um, and I know Call of Duty probably would have done all fine on, on Switch. It's just that at what point did he, did, he, did he think, you know what, maybe I should consider rectifying this mistake? Seeing as we knew the Switch was yeah. going to be successful back in 2017. You know, when Switch, I'm with him, right? At the beginning, I didn't know the Switch was going to be a hit. In fact, I doubted it. And when it became a hit, we realised it was a hit after month one. We knew it was a hit by the end of year one. And at what point did Bobby go, you know, maybe we should consider that, revisit that Call yeah. of Duty decision. <laughs> and it's here we are in year <laughs> six, and um, and it's the biggest console in the world. And um, this is this is the thing. I, I, so I was reading that comment um, just before we recorded. Actually, I, so I'm going to quote this from um, this is VGC's report. Um, he said, "I made a bad judgment when I had seen the prototype of the Switch. It was different than when I saw the prototype of the Wii, and I thought it was the most extraordinary video game system ever created." When I saw the um, prototypes for the Switch, I was concerned because they were trying to accomplish a lot with a console that also had portable capability. I didn't think it was wildly success going to be wildly successful. And then later on, he says, it's probably the second most successful video game system of all time. So it's a bad decision on my part. But as you say, Chris, absolutely. Like, OK, fine. He didn't think it was going to be wildly successful at launch. But when it became clear by the end of the first year, and as you said, we are six years in now. I think that, you know, I mean, yeah. the, the issue obviously is like Switch is a completely completely different console in terms of hardware and specs and so forth like unless they were going to do a cloud version and i never i never know how well those do but here's the thing i get it right call of duty's not the right audience they probably want to prioritize mobile and pc and warzone it's not a wrong decision call of duty on switch would probably be profitable and successful but it wouldn't be that profitable and successful and you know what they'd have backed the switch and that's the thing right it's not activision where oh we decided not to back the switch and it's a mistake yeah it's overwatch there's there's diablo there's um um, there's Crash Bandicoot, the Spyro. They've, they've been they've been all in on that console. It's just not with Call of Duty. So I I'm I'm I thought that was it. But look, look, it's but that's just me being a bit, raising my eyebrows at the statement, which obviously you know is designed to make them think that you know it's designed to position Nintendo as a genuine competitor. That's that's an interesting conversation, right? Actually, because there's always this line between you know when people say is Switch a competitor to PlayStation? Of course it is. Everything is a competitor for PlayStation. Anything that takes up time and money competes with PlayStation, competes with anything. And, you know, there was a famous quote Netflix did many, many years ago where they said their biggest competitor to Netflix was sleep, right? And I thought that was a, a fun... I, think, I thought, but nobody's going to block Netflix trying to buy a, 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 a bed manufacturer, right? Because it's not... <laughs> they're not in the same... It's not, but at one, what point does... Those, you know, you start going, well, net, TV isn't really a competitor for games and music's not a competitor for games. But it's closer than, you know, beds. Um, and then it's like, but then you go down to, 
well, actually, is Switch a competitor for PlayStation and Xbox? And it's true to argue, and I don't think it's entirely incorrect for them to argue that Switch is different and it has a different audience and a different buying habits of that audience. You know, platformers don't do very well on Xbox and PlayStation, really. They're the best-selling things on Nintendo consoles. Shooters don't do that well on Switch. You know, they, they're clearly a different audience who buy that console. And people who buy that console buy it for different reasons than they buy PlayStation and Xbox. That's true. But they're still games consoles, right? And I think the Switch does show that you don't need... <laughs> a Call of Duty to be successful. The difference being in this conversation is Call of Duty is on PlayStation. Call of Duty is massively successful. We saw the the hilariously unredacted uh, um, article <laughs> yesterday. We well, can see how big it is for PlayStation. And so, so I understand the argument. I mean, I think the whole thing, I've said this all along, I don't think there's anything new here. Anything I say now won't be anything, it's no different to what I've said before. Call of Duty um, uh, is a massive deal for PlayStation. It's the number one selling game on PlayStation. It, particularly in America, it's a little bit, a little bit less, a little bit more inconsistent around the world, but obviously still big around the world. Um, it's a massive deal. PlayStation, of course, are going to try and do something to to, to prevent this deal going through. It's such a big deal for them. Um, but I mean, I don't really believe it is um, going to cause any harm. I don't believe for a second Microsoft has any plans to pull it off PlayStation. Even if they, and even if they did, I think PlayStation could react to it in a strong way, both with their own software, but also with you know deals maybe with Battlefield, which of course is being rebooted at the moment with under Vince Zampella, the one of the creators of Call of Duty. So there's there's a lot of things that they can they can do to counter it. And also, you know, I don't think it's particularly in Europe, particularly in the uh, Japan. Um, but I said that before, and I don't think there's anything that's changed hearing all the stuff that's all the back and forth going here. And um, that's just that's that argument. The more interesting argument, the more nebulous card to pin down argument is around cloud and what does it mean for the future of games? Because that's what this deal really is about, right? The get the console mm. industry industry is I'm going to make, it's not, I say, I say the console industry, and I'm ignoring Nintendo because they fluctuate and it's confusing. They say the console industry is 180 million games, right? And PlayStation has 120 million of them and Xbox has 60 million of them. And that's kind of the norm. That's kind of where I think, that's kind of what was happened last generation. That's kind of what's happening this generation. So Xbox is understandably, and PlayStation, they're all doing it, going, right, how do we grow this audience? It's not, it's largely stayed the same now for like two decades. How do we grow this audience? And they're going, right, well, we need to get these games into mobile. We need to get these games into PC. And the Xbox has been doing that for a little while now. PlayStation has bought a PC developer, launched a mobile division. They're all doing it um, uh, in terms of platform. But even people like Ubisoft and all the third party companies, they've been doing it for years and years and years now. And Xbox has just gone, you know what? If we buy Activision Blizzard, we have one of the biggest PC game developers, one of the biggest mobile game developers, and we have Call of Duty to boost our console, PC and mobile business. You know, and it's like, we'll get, it'll get us there a lot faster. And that's 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 kind of, that's what the deal is really about, and mm. and um, and then it's about like okay, if the industry does become this sort of cross-platform, cloud-based, multiple different business models industry, would that position Microsoft in a in a dominant place? And that, I, I'm I'm maybe a bit skeptical that it would or wouldn't, but it's hard to know, and that is what these regulators are having to work out, and I don't know, and I'm no. I've been doing this for a living, so I tried to think what, um, how, how the, uh, how the regulators are supposed to know. But um, that's really what it's about, and I don't think there's anything about any of this that's that's um, that's actually new, and, and and it's really just whether or not the F, what, how the FTC uh, see it. And the... no, as far as I can tell, the only time they've even touched on cloud gaming is, or at least the only the only 
news that's come out around uh, cloud gaming is um, Jim Ryan's comments about the fact that it wouldn't, he doesn't believe that cloud gaming could become a meaningful way that people interact with games until somewhere between 2025 and 2023. And sorry, twenty thirty five, and even then, that's kind of that's just kind of a ballpark. And everyone's everyone's always been predicting cloud gaming is five six years ago uh, away, and it just doesn't take off. I think I I think I had this rant on our main podcast, like on the last episode about like I just I don't believe cloud gaming will become a dominant form of how or a dominant route in which people access video games. Jim Ryan like said something similar, like he said um, they view cloud gaming on playstation as a service it is a service feature of playstation plus rather than a platform in itself and that's where it is at the moment like i just i can't see cloud gaming becoming a platform we are talking i think we're talking about ourselves right so um the question is we're so i mentioned there's 180 million there's 180 million people happy to buy games on on playstation and xbox consoles right and it's about whether where who where do you how do you get to the next 180 million and that is you know those people who perhaps don't play at the moment or perhaps only play on mobile and things what, what how do you reach them and it's through improved mobile technology and it's through uh, subscriptions and other business models that might make it more accessible and it may be it may be through streaming um but i think that's and there's two actual questions that i've never quite i'd love to have put to i was supposed to interview phil spencer a few months ago but it got it got pulled and i'd love to have asked him a couple of questions one of those questions was um these 10-year cloud gaming deals that they've done does he think cloud gaming is actually going to be a significant business in 10 years? You know, it might take that long for it to get there, right? You know, and um, <laughs> um, so, the, so it's like we're Call of Duty's on all of these cloud services when <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Um, well, this is, this is the thing. Like, that, that my, whenever I see those 10 years deals, I can just almost hear like the, the inner sceptical fanboy, the, the, the toxic gamers that have been um, kind of commenting on this. You just know that someone is thinking, well, yeah, he's done a 10 year deal. Because by that point, cloud gaming will only just be taking off. And at that yeah. point, he pulls Call of Duty and then Microsoft is. And to be clear, Phil Spencer dominant. won't be here in 10 years, right? And neither will Jim Ryan. None of these people are going to be here in 10 years. Who knows what the industry is going to do in that time? Bobby Kotick won't be here in 10 years. Like, so so there's, there's that bit. The other bit that um, I thought was, uh, I've, I've always wanted to ask this. And I think I might know the answer, but I've wanted to ask is, is Call of Duty... Um, uh, why can't Activision Blizzard uh, and sorry, so uh, at Microsoft sell off the Call of Duty part of the business? Because they've they've gone on very adamant on that it's about mobile and PC, and well, that's King and Blizzard, right? And I get Call of Duty mobile as well, but they could they could have made an arrangement around that. So why can't they just go? Okay, Call of Duty is the problematic part of this deal that's potentially going to block the deal. How about we get? How about we 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 spin that one off, or we sell that one off? We keep that you know separate. And then what we get, what we're actually buying is Candy Crush and World of Warcraft and Overwatch and Diablo and stuff. Um, they said they can't do that, and I suspect the reason they can't do that is because it's all cross-platform and everything's, you know, it's Call of Duty is a, is, all, is a PC game and a mobile game and all this kind of stuff. It's all part of it, and it's where the value really is. That might be the answer, but they've never quite, they've never explicitly said it. They just said it's, you know, they've given some vague answers to why they can't do it. And I always wanted to poke a little bit of that, but no, nobody's done that yet. I've still, I've still to get answers to those questions, but they're not that big a deal. They're not that big, not that important. I'm fed up with the deal. I want it to be done. Um, um, <laughs> I want it to either be completed or to be finished and we can just move on with our lives. That's what I want. Well, that's not going to happen. So in the meantime, um, yeah, no, I, going back to what we were saying at the top of this, like it's, the hearing is mostly producing like just really, you know, really, really good headlines, really engaging headlines. Um, Brendan Sinclair, our managing editor, his uh, excellent phrase for it was scintillating scuttlebutt. 
Yeah. That is what is coming out of this. Scintillating scuttlebutt. Um, and, and it's quite fun following it. I'm going to finish with one last bit of uh, scintillating scuttlebutt before we crack off, if that's all right. Um, this morning we are seeing the comments from Satya Nadella uh, from yesterday's hearing. Uh, his comments about exclusives and um, exclusivity deals and so forth. He said, I grew up in a company that always believed that software should run in as many platform as pos- uh, platforms as possible, and that's just the Microsoft I grew up in. I believe in that. If it was up to me, I would love to get rid of the entire sort of exclusives on consoles, but that's not for me to define, especially as a low share player in the console market, that the dominant player there has defined market competition using exclusives, and so that's the world we live in. I have no love for that world. Um, obviously everyone's kind of Microsoft blames Sony for their dominance of exclusives and so forth. But I'm just, I'm intrigued to get your thoughts because my, my thoughts on this are divided. Like, yeah, I I understand where he's coming from in terms of exclusives. Certainly if you're having third party exclusives, um, like, you know, Sony has been dealing this with, um, you know, Final Fantasy 16, Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, Deathloop, even if they're timed exclusive, like um, exclusives are just historically, the way that people get you to buy their console rather than the other console. But I was thinking about this this morning, like, no other form of entertainment, in terms of when you're buying individual products, has exclusives. As far as I can, I'm you're almost certainly going to correct me, but bear with me here. Like, you don't, you know, there's, you don't buy a film that you can only get on, you know, back in the day, you couldn't could get a film that was only on Blu-ray and not on HD DVD. I know I'm showing my age there. Like, but you, do, you don't get a book that's only available at one shop and not available at the others. Like, um, music, you don't get stuff that's only available on vinyl and not available on CD. In terms of format, in terms of individual product, all other forms of entertainment are available and are universally playable on almost any device. Consoles are different, obviously, because they are made by specific companies with their own formats and so forth. And it makes sense for first-party stuff to be exclusive because that is, you know, it would be weird for Nintendo to be making Mario games for PlayStation, obviously. But I kind of see what you're saying. Like, the... the yeah, they're just the, the importance that people put on exclusives. Like, how is it becoming an outdated concept? Um... I think it's what we def- what we mean by the term platform. I think if you look at it from a technology perspective, yes, it's weird that uh, um, yeah, in terms of that TV, but Doctor Who isn't on ITV. Um, you know, it's not like no, but but then Doctor Who is made by the BBC, so it makes sure that it makes sense that the BBC well, 20, runs it on its own. channel. Twenty four was only on BBC Two. You know, it's like I'm not, I'm not, I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not saying. Um, it's just a little different, you know. It's whatever, whatever the distribution model and what the, whatever the, the, what that is, it just sort of varies. Your music's largely, you know, accessible from every, from most platforms, but even then, not everyone. Um, so it's it's a bit, it's a bit. I, I, do I like exclusives? I don't. I'm interested. I'd be interested to know the economics of it because obviously, PlayStation and Xbox they pump a lot of money into the market to try and get assign these games to boost up their platforms. And I do wonder if that's ultimately beneficial to the wider ecosystem, if it means the creation of more games and it actually makes developers create an element. You know, if it was all just a free-for-all and who knows who's going to win, it, I, I feel I feel that it might be harder. But um, I don't know. Uh, it's difficult to know this because we don't live in that world. Uh, but obviously I'm not surprised, surprised a company that specialises in producing services that are go underneath uh, software distribution is um is is calling for the end of exclusivities of course they do it's microsoft you know they they look at what they do and they and they and they want to they want it on every platform because that's what they that's what they're about and um 
Um, and also, you know, there's that argument Nintendo have always argued it, like creating games specifically for a piece of hardware, you know, is is part of what they've always believed is their strength. It's what makes their game so good. You know, they build things for the platform that it's that it was made for, right? So, um, and th there's that element to it as well. It's 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 a lot, obviously, a lot more complicated. And again, a wonderful headline to stir up a lot of conversation and debate and piss off a lot of people um is the uh is is the uh actually it reminds me think and this is, i know we're not talking about this today but um i read i did a piece this week on cd project and um and it was a really lovely interview i had with their vp of comms and in that interview he was he was talking about basically seemed a bit heart he was talking about how heartbroken he was that it upset their the, the core not 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 the millions of people that bought that were interested in cyberpunk but the core fans that were excited about it and he was talking about, you know, that and the journey they've been on as a studio. And I actually, at the end of that interview, felt, oh, it was a really good, really nice, um, honest, candid chat. And at the end, I talked about, uh, you know, I can't remember what line I said to him. And he, he said, you know, I did never thought Cyberpunk was like that bad at launch. You know, it was, you know, and I think he's referring to the PC version. And he said, you know, I never thought it was broken. I felt that we could turn this around. I always believed that. And that's why I ended the piece on. But of course, I, I deliberately didn't make that the angle. Because I felt that wasn't in keeping with the um, with what you know with the piece that he was um, the, with the article I was writing, but obviously all the all the other sites picked up on the line. I never thought it was that bad. I he never he never said that. Um, I never thought it was a uh, uh, I thought it was better than it was. Um, at what the way it was received, and he, he used the line, "It was cool to hate on it." I guess it was, but um, the uh, the the sort of vitriol that's been aimed at CG Project after that line, I'm like, I'm really really I feel really bad about it because it wasn't. I do, I, I'm, I'm glad I don't write for a website that has to worry about SEO and driving traffic and that kind of stuff. So I, I can be a little bit more honest about how these interviews are. And these people weren't in the interviews. They just read, they read the quote and they used it. But it did. Ah, it stirs people up, doesn't it? Love it. Anyway, I'm not sure I made a point there, but uh, I feel like I make their own. <laughs> um, right, we're going to wrap up there. I'm aware that we've done a full 20-minute microcast and haven't really come to any conclusions as to how this uh, FTC versus Microsoft hearing might come out or, or any kind of made any kind of progress on the debate of whether or not microsoft should be allowed to buy activision blizzard but then neither have they done so in the court so i think that's in keeping in keeping with the proceedings this week we're going to be keeping on top of this and please do keep your eyes peeled on games.biz and keep your eyes on the uh, roundup i mentioned that's going to be in the show notes and in the article linked in the article that uh, this episode is in we're going to be back soon with another uh, microcast and probably some full-length episodes we've got a playable futures podcast coming up very soon so keep your ears tuned for that until then, you can get more news, insight, and analysis into the business of video games at gamesindustry.biz. Mm -hmm.